Um, Church family, it is great to be with you here this morning. It is a beautiful day outside. The sun is shining, and I just love to be here on Sunday mornings with each and every one of you because I love you all, and I can't wait throughout the week to see you guys on Sunday mornings. And I hope that you guys feel the same way. I hope that you are excited to be here this morning. I hope that you're excited to just lift up our voices to the Lord, to hear another portion of his word, and then a little bit later on, we will share communion together as well. And then, as you know, if you saw the email, uh, Brother Bruce is going to come up, and he's got a very special announcement that I think you're going to find very exciting. So, let Let's get into it. We are talking about Jonah. And as I mentioned last week, uh, this was originally designed to be kind of a one-off, one-Sunday sermon. And then I got to look into the book of Jonah a little bit more closely. And I realized how much good stuff there is in the book of Jonah. So today we're going to pick up in chapter 2 of the book of Jonah. And you'll notice on the slide that I kind of titled this Prayers from a Fish. I know it's kind of a weird title, but I, I kind of like weird titles because it gets your attention. But it could also have a second title, and that second title would be Hopeful and Not Helpless. Hopeful but Not Helpless. And I want you to think about that as we get ready to look at Jonah chapter 2. And I hope that I'm going to bring out some things that either you haven't thought about in a very long time, or maybe you didn't know about this really pivotal chapter in the book of Jonah. So last week we talked about this idea of running from God, right? We talked about this idea of how Jonah... I can hear myself. Um, We talked about the fact that Jonah got on the wrong boat, right? Jonah actually went 2,500 miles in the wrong direction. So instead of going 500 miles to Nineveh, where God had sent him, he actually gets on the other boat and going 2,500 miles in the wrong direction. See, sometimes we go to great lengths to avoid God's calling on our lives or the things that God is asking us to do. And Jonah is a great example of that. But again, I think that Jonah gets a bad rap. I don't think Jonah's as bad as we often make him out to be. And yes, initially, he's kind of the bad guy, right? Because he doesn't do what God tells him to do. But at the end of the day, you and I are also sinners. You and I also fall short. And you and I often go the opposite way of the way that God would have us to go. So let's not get too hard on Jonah just yet, because what we're going to see today is Jonah starts to kind of turn things around. But if there's one thing that we learned last week, right, it's that you can run from God, but you can't hide from God. You can run from God, you can't hide from God. Jonah actually gets on a ship going 2,500 miles in the wrong direction, and who finds him? God. God comes along and whips up this this tremendous storm, right? And we read last week that he whips up this tremendous storm to the point that, that the sailors are throwing their cargo, which is how they make their living, over the side of the ship just to survive the storm. And then a little bit later on in that story, we realize that Jonah is the reason for the storm. And we realize that Jonah has this moment of humility where he says, you know what, guys? You just got to throw me out of the boat. You just got to throw me out of the boat. See, we see that Jonah is taking responsibility for his actions. He knows that he's got to go for the greater good of others. And he actually tells the sailors to throw him out of the boat. And they wrestle with that decision, right? Because they don't want to murder this guy. They just want the storm to stop. And finally they realize, look, the storm's not going anywhere. We got we to throw him over. And they threw Jonah out of the boat and the storm stopped. See, it's better to obey God in the storm than disobey him in the boat. 
So Jonah says, hey, you got to throw me in. And that's where we're going to pick up our story today. After Jonah has been literally tossed over the side of the ship. And the storm, right? Because of God's great power, the storm calms. And what does that do? What did we read last week? What do the sailors do? They start worshiping God because of what they've just seen. See, they didn't have to be thrown out of the boat to worship God. But we're going to pick up in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. And this is exactly where we left off last week. And it says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So God provided a way out for Jonah. Now, it probably wasn't the way out that Jonah had in mind. This is God. God could have provided anything he wanted. He could have provided a boat. He could have provided a life raft. He could have provided any number of things for Jonah. But he didn't. He provided a fish. I want you to think about that for just a minute because I know this is kind of a children's story and sometimes we get wrapped up in the story of Jonah and the fish and he lived in the fish and all this. But let's think about this for just a moment. Jonah's in the belly of a fish. This is not a pleasant place to be. I can imagine Jonah, you know, he's, he's doing this because, you know, there's not a lot of room to move around in there and there's certainly no food and there's certainly no water. And I think fish smell bad on the outside. I can only imagine what it smells like to be inside the belly of a fish. But the bottom line is, this is not a pleasant place to be. So God did bring him out of the situation that he was in, which was he was going to drown. But he didn't necessarily do it in the way Jonah probably would have liked him to do. Because see, God's going to correct Jonah a little bit here. God's going to correct him a little bit. He's going to bring him along. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, we read this cycle of the Israelites over and over again where God had to correct them, but God always showed up and provided a way. See, Jonah needed some correction and some healing. And I think of this almost like you think of a cast. Have you guys broken an arm or a leg or a foot or a toe or whatever, right? And you go to the doctor and what do they do? They put this, they put this solid cast on there. And the whole point of a cast is that you can't move around. It's to give you time to heal. It's to correct the physical problem that you have going on. And I think this is exactly what God was doing with Jonah. He, he put him in this fish, right, to where Jonah couldn't really move around. He couldn't really do much because Jonah needed correction and Jonah needed healing. He needed spiritual healing. So here we've got Jonah and Jonah's in the fish, right? And it smells and he's probably as miserable as anybody can do. And what does Jonah do? Are you familiar with Jonah chapter 2? What does Jonah do? He starts praying. Now, you say, we see that throughout the Bible. People prayed during the hard times. But what I want you to notice is I want you to notice the tone of Jonah's prayers. And I also want you to notice the prayer that he prays because this is powerful stuff. Verse 1 says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. So Jonah knew what he needed to do. And for the first time in our story of Jonah, right, he's actually right where God wanted him to be, in the belly of a fish. But Jonah starts to pray, and this is where things get a little bit interesting. Verse 2 says, he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me from the deep in the realm of the dead. It says, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Now, I want you to notice something here. Where is Jonah when he says this? He's still in the fish, But what is his posture of prayer? He's praying that God has already delivered him from the fish. And he hasn't yet. 
But see, Jonah is saying he knows that God is going to deliver him. Now, let's think about this situation for just a moment. Jonah is in distress. He's in physical distress. He's in emotional distress. He he has no idea how long he's going to be in this fish. But he knows that God loves him enough that he's going to pull him through this situation. But it's interesting to see what Jonah does. Because some of you, you biblical scholars, will recognize verse 2 of Jonah, chapter 2. And it comes from Psalms, chapter 33, verses 18 and 19. It says, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. And those whose hope is in the unfailing love to deliver them from the deep and keep them alive in famine. Jonah is praying the scriptures. It's easy to miss that if you're just reading the book of Jonah. If you just say, oh, Jonah's a short book. I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to read Jonah. It's really easy to miss this. But what did Jonah do in his time of distress? He called back to the scriptures. He started praying the scriptures. There's a powerful lesson in this for us, and we're going to see this as we, as we work our way through chapter 2, that Jonah is continually praying the scriptures. I talk to people all the time that they say, I, I, I want to pray, but I just don't know how. I want to pray. My wife and I had this conversation just the other day. I want to pray about this thing, but I don't know what my prayer is. I'm not exactly sure what it is that I want God to do or what I need to say to God to hopefully get the result that he has in mind for me. We can pray the scriptures. And Psalms is a great place to do that. But that means we have to know the scriptures. That means we have to spend time in the scriptures. Because then what happens is when you find yourself in the belly of the fish and you don't know what to say, you can refer back to the scriptures. There are so many passages of the Bible that you could just sit through and read through and pray to God. And you may be in a different situation, and you may not literally be in the belly of the whale, but how many of you have felt like that at some point in your life or another? How many of you felt like that? You may not have physically been in the fish, but how many of you felt like, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to say, God, I'm just lost. That's exactly what Jonah's doing. So he's referring back to the scripture in Psalms. See, Jonah had spent time in the word. Jonah knew these words. And when he was in his time of distress, and when he was in his time that he didn't know what to say, he had that to fall back on. But he had to know it. Because if he didn't know it, he certainly wasn't looking it up in the belly of a fish. He didn't have his iPhone. He wasn't like, I need a good scripture for prayer. He didn't have his scroll, right? Because they would have scrolls back then. He didn't have a scroll in his back pocket. He wasn't pulling that out. He had spent time to know God's word. Again, we're going to flip back and forth. So I'm going to, you're going to get your workout this morning. Jonah chapter 2. We're going to continue on with verse 3. It says, You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Now, another thing I want you to notice as we're unpacking this, this passage, he's being so descriptive. He's being so precise. See, there is something to the fact that God knows what's in our heart and God knows what we need. But I love the fact that Jonah is describing his circumstance in such great detail. He's describing what he's feeling and the physical things that he's going through. Even though God already knows that. He's describing what it is that he's going through. And again, he's quoting Psalms. Flip over with me if you would. Psalms chapter 42 verse 1. Excuse me, Psalms 42 verse 7. It says, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and your breakers have swept over me. The exact word for word at the end of that verse that Jonah is quoting. He's quoting Psalms. 
Now, I'm going to be real transparent with you guys. Before I started studying Jonah, I had no idea that Jonah was quoting the Psalms. Not so closely, anyway. But he knew where to go in his time of need. And where he went was to the word. Jonah chapter uh, 2 again. We're going to pick up verse 4. It says, I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Positivity. A posture of gratitude. See, he's in about the worst situation he could possibly find himself in. He's in about the worst place he could possibly be right now. But his eyes are still on God. There is so much we can learn from this very short chapter 2. It's 10 verses long. Very short chapter, but so much powerful stuff. And so many things that we can learn from here. Verse 5 says, The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Guess what? Psalms. Psalms chapter 69, verse 1. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. He's quoting the scripture. He's falling back on God's word in this time of need, in this time of desperation. He's not crying out to God, oh, why me? God, why did you do this to me? I'm pretty sure he knows at this point why God did this to him. Right? Jonah knows that he has made a mistake. Jonah knows that he went the wrong way. Jonah knows that he got on the wrong boat. Verse 6 says, To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Again, just this posture, right? He's not helpless. He's hopeful. He knows that God is going to see him through this, that God is going to pull him through this, even though he's currently in the belly of the fish. Verse 7 says, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Jonah didn't know if he was going to live to tell this story, but the whole time, He's focused on God. The whole time, he's focused on his faith in God and that God will be faithful to him. Verse 8 says, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. We gotta remember back in this time, right? Idol worship was like the big thing, right? It was the big problem. It was what the Israelites went back to over and over and over and over again. And, you know, we often say things, I hear people say this all the time, well, I don't, I don't worship idols. I don't have like a Buddha statue right on my mantle. But see, our idols are money and time and our jobs and our hobbies and anything else that takes time away from our time with God is our idol. And yes, it may look very different than it did back then, but it's still very real and it's still something that we have to be aware of. Are we letting things become idols in our life? Are we spending more time and more energy and more effort on them than we are our relationship with God? And that's exactly what Jonah is talking about. Verse 9 says, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes 
from the Lord. Put yourself in Jonah's shoes just for a minute. Put yourself in Jonah's shoes. Now, he knows that he made a mistake. Let's not, let's not mince words. He knows he screwed up. He knows he's in trouble. But put yourself in Jonah's shoes. When you're going through it, right? When things are bad, right? When, when you lost your job, when your relationships are in trouble, do we still talk about how grateful we are to God? Or do we start questioning things like, where was God? Why did God let this happen? And if anybody ever had a reason to do that, it was Jonah. But he didn't. He remained positive. He remained hopeful, not helpless. So the last Psalms parallel I want to point out to you. Psalms chapter 66, verses 13 and 14. This is exactly what he was just saying. It says, I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. The parallels between Jonah chapter 2 and the book of Psalms are just amazing. It's chilling when you think about how closely some of these verses line up, almost word for word. See, Jonah knew the scripture. Jonah fell back on the scripture when he was in trouble. And see, that's where we go wrong sometimes. When we're in trouble, when we're in the belly of the fish, instead of turning to God, we turn to people we shouldn't be turning to. We turn to things we shouldn't be turning to. We reach for the bottle. Instead of reaching for God. Verse 10 says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. Again, probably not exactly what Jonah had in mind to be rescued, to be swallowed up by a fish, to spend three days in the belly of a fish, only to be vomited out onto the beach. I wonder if anybody was around when that happened. Could you imagine? You're, you're chilling down here at the beach and enjoying the sunshine and playing in the sand, and all of a sudden this giant fish comes up and a man flies out. I don't know. I, I like to visualize some of this stuff that happens in the Bible. I think they should just make movies out of all of this stuff. Because y- you can imagine, you're just laying back at the beach, you know, having a soda. And all of a sudden, this giant fish comes up and just whoop, out flies a man covered in whatever the inside of a fish looks like. And next week, that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up on what Jonah does after he gets out of the belly of the fish. But here's some things I want to remind you about with Jonah's prayers. This was a prayer of deliverance, not for deliverance. Jonah knew that God would deliver him. He wasn't asking God to deliver him. He was assuming, he was knowing, he was trusting that God would deliver him. It was a precise prayer. I love the the detail that Jonah goes into in his prayer because sometimes we just assume that God knows what we need. We don't tell him exactly what we're going through, exactly what we're feeling. But Jonah spared no detail. He was passionate. Are we passionate when we pray? Are we emotional when we pray? We get to talk to the creator of the universe. That should be an emotional experience. But are we passionate when we talk to God? We should be. Because I guarantee you, he's passionate about you. He's passionate enough about you that he sent his son to die for you. I'd say that's a whole lot of passion and his posture of gratitude. Jonah had every reason 
to be negative. Jonah had every reason to not trust God, but he didn't. He remained positive through this experience that would have broken literally and physically most of us. I want to flip over to the New Testament. I'm going to leave you with this scripture. This comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our own time of need. Now, to me, that verse perfectly sums up what we just talked about. It perfectly sums up what we just talked about. Because Jonah approached God's throne of grace. And in the end, we see that he got out of the fish. He received the mercy. He received the grace, not because he deserved it. Much like you and I, we don't deserve the mercy and the grace that we get. We get it because God loves us. And God loved Jonah enough, even though he had made a mistake. Don't miss that lesson, right? We make mistakes, but God loved him enough to save him. And he loves you and I enough to save us as well. So here's some just real world applications for us. Because I want you to have something that you can leave here today and apply to your life. And that's to focus on gratitude. Don't focus on the negative things. Don't focus on the problems. Don't focus on the bills. Don't focus on the jobs. Focus on gratitude and the amazing thing that God does for us. Pray the scriptures. People say all the time, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. Pray the scriptures. But you can only pray the scriptures if you know the scriptures. We've got to spend time in the word. We've got to spend time in the word. How else do we know what God's vision for our lives is? How else do we know how to truly worship the one true and living God if we don't spend time in the scriptures? And where do we go when we're in trouble if we don't know what the Bible says? Be hopeful and not helpless. Because no matter how bad our situation gets, and they get bad, I'm not saying everything is roses. We know for a fact that just because you're a Christian does not mean life is a better roses. But this is all just temporary. It's all just temporary. Because we have the hope of spending eternity in heaven. Don't quit and don't give up. Maybe this morning you've never had a chance to give your life to Christ. Maybe you've never had a chance to build that relationship that allows you to be hopeful despite being in the belly of a fish. You have an opportunity to do that this morning. You can be baptized for the remission of your sins, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and start a new relationship that can give you the hope that Jonah had and the hope that we all have. Or maybe you've been a Christian your whole life, but maybe you're, you're just feeling right now like, hey, I'm in the belly of the fish right now, and I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to pray. We would love to talk to you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to help you in any way that we can as we stand together and as we sing. And I stand, I stand.